You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by Robert Preston with Climb Capital. Robert, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, Sterling, for having us. We're, I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So, Robert... Um, was introduced to us through Alex Felice, who's a previous guest on the show. Um, I'm sure any of you that, that are on Facebook have, have been cussed out or <laughs> accosted <laughs> by him at one point or another, but we, we still love Alex. So um, super excited to find out more about uh, Climb Capital and your business and to get everybody acquainted with you in the first place. Can you tell us a little bit about your history, how you got into real estate, what you were doing before, what you guys are doing today? Sure. Great question. Thanks. You know, and to tie back to Alex, um, in order so that Alex would not make fun of us and pick on us and accost us, we decided to bring Alex into Climb Capital and make him part of Climb Capital. So now he, uh, wet, I think he wet, literally cannot fix us. Whether or not that was a good decision is uh, TB, <laughs> TBD, huh? <laughs> yeah. To, he's doing great. So we're excited. He's, he's very good at being, as he would say, loud on the internet and we are not. Yeah. So we're happy to blend our uh, two things. So for me, um, yeah. So back history, profession wise, uh, Clemson, uh, Clemson university college grad economics, um, go tigers loved, uh, loved that college from there, went into the Marine Corps, um, was a Marine Corps V 22 pilot. So I flew the Osprey for about 14 and a half years, a couple of deployments to Afghanistan. And, uh, I always tell the pivoting moment for, or time period in my life where we made this transition from, uh, the profession of being a, a military officer to the real estate was really 2012. Um, it was second deployment in Afghanistan, uh, really actually a phenomenal deployment, a lot of really cool, uh, missions and doing stuff that people make movies about. Um, but also had some pretty scary evenings, uh, getting shot at or crashing aircraft or not really sure if I was going to make it home. Um, that evening from that flight. And so out of that, you know, I made three major decisions in my life. And one was to, uh, to give my life and dedicate that back to Jesus. And the second was to marry the, marry the girl I was dating Misty. And, uh, so we were happily married, almost getting close to nine years now. And uh third was maybe there's a different way to make money than uh, <laughs> getting, getting shot at and crashing airplanes. Um, and, and I, so, I bet you, I bet you about having to clock in, you make me feel like a sissy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, being on a uh, 24 hour, um, duty for seven months at a time, you start figuring out that hourly, rate and uh, it doesn't come out to be much per hour. So, uh, yeah, so I made that decision. Um, from there it was, so from, from there it was going into, uh, like, okay, how do I figure out how to do this? Right. And so for me, very linear, very logical type person. All right. I know some rich people. I've read about a lot of rich people. The commonality I see across all of them is real estate. Like, okay, so let's figure out what that's about. So simply just start reading books on deployment, ordering stuff. Uh, I think Audible still existed right then, just started, you know, some books on tape, um, download type stuff, and just started destroying as many books as I could. Came back from deployment, uh, spent some weekend education at the seminars with the gurus and uh, the, the tutors and the mentors. And, you know, from there, honestly, just was like simple A to B, do this. I would go home, do it. So start out in wholesaling, um, single family houses was going cool, making some good money, 
went from there to start flipping houses, flipped like 30 houses, was making some money good, but that became, you know, pretty big burden. Uh, it was a job. It was another thing. You know, I was like, Hey, I've got to find a way to get some passive income. Like, I don't want to work this. The point of investing was to not work this hard and, um, sat down, started doing the math of how many houses I need to buy based off, you know, rough average cash flows. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's like a lot of houses, like 50 houses I need to buy. And, uh, this is a pain. This is, this is hard. I'm like literally driving down the street, look over to the left and there's, there's a, a trailer park. I'm like, wait, that's a lot of houses too. And I called to get the price and like, yeah, you can buy, um, 16 of these houses and the property for 200 grand. I'm like, all right. So, um, that was literally my first investment was a $200,000, 16 unit, um, mobile home park that we bought and, you know, it put out like right from the get go, made like $3,000 a month cash flow on a $200,000 property. So yeah, from there, we, you know, probably dive into some more of the details, but that was the Genesis. Um, that was 2015, just essentially snowball from there to back when you, back, back when you could get a 16 unit uh, park for 200 grand. Yeah. Back when there was no competition for that, surprisingly, we were the only idiots buying that. Um, but that's paid off quite well since then. I bet. Awesome. So, so why did you not stick in trailer parks? You, uh, from my understanding, you branched out to multifamily now RV parks. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, a lot of, a lot of guys talk about, there's a lot of value of being, uh, very niche and very specific. And I think that is true, but for me, it's, been just honestly, I'm like a deal junkie, right? So it's super hard for me to focus on just one asset. When I see another asset that I know the fundamentals are the same and it's a phenomenal return. Like, why would I not take that deal just because I'm apartment guy or mobile home park guy? And so, uh, really it was just finding deal to deal. So the very next deal was actually an office building, uh, downtown Pensacola, um, you know, bought that 16 months later, sold it for uh 200% return. I was like, dude, what, what does it matter what asset it is? So that's, that's why if I'm, nice. if I'm honest. Yeah. You know, um, I am, I am too a victim of the shiny red ball and yes. um, have a hard time with the, with the sticking to the niche. So now I get it for sure. And yeah. to, your, to your point, it's, I mean, if it works, it works, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, you just look at the fundamentals, right? It's just, what is the ROI? What's the cash flow? That's it. I don't, um, I've, I've, I once flipped a yacht, bought a, nice. a f- 55 foot, uh, Hatteras, um, sport, sport fish, you know, and it was like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Like, you, like, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as flipping a house. Here's the ARV. Here's how much money it's going to take me to get there. Here's how much I bought it for. It's, I mean, it's profit. Like what's, what's the difference? So sure. Yeah. Cool. So, so what does your portfolio primarily look like today? So we are, we're in a dramatic restructure. Um, in the last two months we have, we have sold, uh, now approaching our eighth property that we've sold out of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also bought, so we're restructuring, um, getting out of a lot of the class C apartments, um, getting out of, uh, some of the, we'll call them class C mobile home parks that we have. And we've mm-hmm. sold those off and done very well with those. And now, um, really our buy box is central centralized a lot on RV parks and RV park resorts or the 
hybrid micro hotel resort combination? So that that's an interesting space. How how did you decide to migrate in that direction? Yeah, again, you know, being a deal junkie, kind of fell into it. So the first RV park we actually bought was early. Uh, what was that? It was early 2020. Um, so a friend of mine sent me a Facebook link, said, Hey, you should look at this park. And the reason that we looked at it was it was a 36 pad RV park. However, it was 100% ran like a mobile home park. So all either six month or annual leases, everyone lived in the, you know, this was not like a vacation we're cooking marshmallows. This was necessity of life. I have to live in an RV. Plant workers. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- traveling nurses, shut down plant stuff, um, you know, and looked at it. The, the rents were 150 below what they should be. We don't own any of the homes. I can buy it. It's just dirt. All right. So for, to me, it was no different. So let's just buy this and, um, and run it just like a mobile home park. And, and we did. And, but through that process, you know, the light bulb for me, which should maybe should have been obvious and not that bright was the fact that, uh, again, I don't own any of the homes. So very low maintenance. Um, secondly was I can change the rents here. Um, it's relatively small quantity, but a large percentage shift. And so with an RV park, for instance, you know, the nightly rate, we may adjust from $38 to, $45 to the, to the customer. What's, what's seven bucks per night, right? That's pretty inconsequential. But if you think about it that as a gross revenue throughout the year, you know, you've done, I don't know what the math is off the top of my head, but you've just increased your revenue, you know, close to, uh, close to 20% um, instantly. And then your customers don't care. Um, and so that's where the light bulb came on. Um, I also had a mobile home park, they got, we had a hurricane here in September of 2020, Hurricane Sally. And that destroyed a lot of our mobile homes in a mobile home park. And so we had our really honest, our backs were up against the wall. Like, what are we going to do here? We can't find the homes. They're too expensive to bring in. Um, and we basically took every mobile home that had gotten destroyed, demolished it and split that lot into two and put two RV pads. So and you so- were you guys were owning the, the, the homes then. Yeah. At the time that park we had, I'd bought it. Uh, we owned all the homes except for one or two, 46 pads. I think. How do you feel about that model? You know, we go back and forth all the time. Half the sure. operators go, Oh no, you don't own any of them. You sell or finance them out, get them off your books ASAP. And mm-hmm. and then I've talked to other people. They're like, that's crazy. There's a ton of cash flow in these things. <laughs> yeah, there is a ton of cash flow. Um, so my personal take on it is they're, they're both right. So which it comes down to what's your, what's your headache tolerance? How much headache are you willing to deal with? Um, but I see it as a more of an opportunity. If you can buy the park full of park owned homes, you're going to buy it at a discount. And then if you transition it, sell those homes, owner finance them back out and move it to a lot rent only park, you've probably lowered your cap rate by one and a half to two points just doing that. And then you've, you've decreased your headache and expenses. So that's an investment play for us. We'll happily buy them and then convert them. So my question, um, recently we were looking at, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we got some land over in Lake Charles and we're uh, yep. partner, partner and I were talking about doing like half, half mobile home park, half RB park. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, back of the napkin, he was counting the, the rents from the park owned homes. And then I spoke to another operator and said, the bank is not going to, not going to consider that value, you know, when they're, 
when when they're appraising it and dividing it by the cap rate, they're just gonna you know they're just gonna take the the lot rents. Do you have any color to add on that conversation? Yeah, um, absolutely. So to me, it's kind of been a wash, right? You could separate out that home income and uh, discount that or not include it, but uh, you're also going to have a, a lower cap rate, right? So increasing the value, or you can leave that income in and you're going to reduce the cap rate. What what I've seen is the math actually just a lot of times works out to be pretty close to the same valuation, however you look at it. And so tying that back into the lender, um, yes, the lenders would probably much prefer the idea of not owning the homes or discounting the cash, but being the banks, they generally try to approach it the worst of both angles saying, well, we are going to um, count the expenses from all those homes, but we're not going to give you credit for the income on all those homes. And so nice. that's always been a bit of a battle. Um, we've just built some good relationships with local bankers and for lack of better words, they just say, yeah, whatever it appraises for, we're good with however the appraiser you know, wants to count that income, discount it or not, change the cap rate or not, doesn't really matter. The appraiser comes out, we're good. So um, maybe shortcutted that a little bit, to be honest. No, for, for sure. No, that's, a, that's about as, as good of an answer as you could expect to get on the subject. Yeah. Just make it work is my thought. So tell me about um, RV parks. What makes uh, what makes a piece of land good for an RV park? Is it yeah. proximity? Is it, I mean, what am I looking I was, I was looking at this, this property that we had under contract and I went to somebody else that was developing our people park and they said, well, instead of trying to like make your land fit this, you know, come up with your business plan first and then go find a piece of land that fits that business plan. So yeah. we were like 14 miles off of the, off, off of I-10 and I'm thinking we'd probably be better suited closer to the interstate. Well, uh, I think you're correct. First answer is, are you an RVer? You, no. you have an RV, been in one, yeah. driven yeah. one. So uh, I would highly like recommend at least just renting one for the weekend and going and doing that. You know, okay. some of the things, some of the things you don't even think about that seem inconsequential become important. You know, I've got a, I've got a 43 foot RV, right. And it sits like just, a, it's the maximum height that can get on the road. It's like 14 foot high. So you start going down these back roads, side roads, and the tree limbs are there and no one's ever been down there and the semis don't go down there. And so it's grown over and like you start take a $200,000 vehicle getting whacked by limbs on both sides. Like those are the things to think about. If you've got 14 miles of that, no one's coming to your park, right? It's just, right. It's just not going to happen. Um, and so I would, so I would suggest that like starting out of there, our buy box or criteria is relatively simple. We like to be pretty close to a um, an interstate exit by that. I mean, you know, within five miles off the exit, um, we, uh, we only buy C or we only buy, um, non-seasonal parks, meaning they're open year round. Um, we literally look for parks that have some type of water feature, pond, stream, lake, river, ocean front, even a pretty nice, you know, pool resort type thing, you know, water draws people. Um, it, it, and of course the better the natural, surrounding area, the beauty of the views, that's always a help. But, you know, in the South, there's <laughs> everything's flat. It's not a lot right. of great views. It's just pine trees. So, um, water is a big draw. I mean, I, and honestly, that's, that's about our criteria. You know, if it's in Florida, it's going to do well. It's got a Florida address. It's just nice. It just is. So that's what we look for in a park size wise. Um, 
really the same fundamentals as most apartment complexes and mobile home parks, like big enough to have full-time management, whatever that pad count is. That's a, that's a financial calculation, not really a pad count for us, but that's roughly about a hundred units most of the time. What does full-time management look like? You know, we're very blessed that in two of our parks, you know, we've got one as far north as Cincinnati and one in North Coleman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, for us, at least a day's flight or a day's drive for us to get there. So um, a lot of the parks we buy, generally we're buying them off owner operators who have either built it or have built it up and they've lived on the, on the space. And there's usually a pretty decent single family house that the owner used to live in. And so we've really kind of cultivated uh, a culture of where we like the, the park manager itself, him or her and his family to stay on the, on the facility. And then, you know, they're going to use a lot, utilize either uh, um, camp host, you know, people who are just trading their time for some rent um, or some, you know, part-time or hourly employees to be there. So our structure is there's a general manager on salary, ideally live on the park, and then they're going to utilize whatever staff they need to execute the, the performance game plan. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, we have take the, I think we've taken a bit of a different approach to management than, uh, both on, and this is across the board, whether it's apartment complex, mobile home park or every park really doesn't matter. Um, we have found that experience and resume is far less important and less of an indicator of success than the, uh, character and drive of the individual. And so we've really been recruiting and cultivating people who essentially want to be park owners in the future, want to be investors in the future. And this is a stepping stone and we're, we're okay with that. Awesome. Awesome. Before we move on, any other, any other comments you think the listeners should know about RV parks? Yeah, they're fun. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's so refreshing to be from an owner's perspective for your tenant to pay before they get there and then leave and be happy that they paid you. And if they don't pay, (laughs) it's not an eviction. It's you're trespassing stuff off of my spot in the next 10 minutes, or I'm calling the cops or I'm hooking my truck up to your camper and dragging it out the road. So nice. uh, Y'all can do that. Heck yeah. Does that ever, I I don't don't know if we can, but (laughs) does that ever, you ever have like people pull guns on you? Does that ever get like escalated? I'm a big dude. No, yeah. uh, no, generally, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat joking, but I'm not. But uh, the, the nice part is that most people at a campground are relatively happy. They're sure. on vacation. They're, they're, you know, they've got a probably a sixty thousand dollar truck and a eighty thousand dollar gooseneck. Sure. They're a different clientele. It's not an expensive vacation. You know, they're not staying at the Ritz Carlton. It's like forty five bucks a night but it's with the family. So it's just a great atmosphere. It's what I do. It's it's kind of my hobby with the family. So yeah, it's just, it's just a lot nicer than classy apartment complexes. For sure. That's Jason, cool. Jason's That's cool. evictions. So yeah. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit more about climb capital, about um, your structure, how you're organized, who's involved and, and how you put it all together. Yeah. So um, Jeremy and I are the co-founders, Jeremy hands. Uh, we met really about the same time going back there to uh, that first RV park. Our story is that we were trying to, sorry, mobile home park. We were both trying to buy the same mobile home park. Um, we just by coincidence lived one block apart from each other. 
by coincidence, were in the same church in the same Sunday school class, had nice. the same job. All these things like were creepily lining up, and all of a sudden we're just, uh, you know, at church basically like, hey, what do you do? I buy real estate. Well, what do you do? I buy real estate. And it turns out we're looking at the exact same park. Like, well, let's just do this together then. Like, okay. Nice. So we, so we did. And that was really like 2000, I think 14. Um, from that time period, we, we did a lot of joint ventures together. You know, I would say probably 80 to 90% of our deals were together, but he had his own company. I had my own company. Um, sometimes we did our own deals individually, but it got to the point where like, where there was a lot of confusion from the outside world. Like, are you guys together or not? Or what's this relationship? And, um, 2020, you know, I was exiting the Marine Corps full-time. Jeremy was getting on the same uh, time frame of leaving the Navy full-time. And we're like, well, let's, let's put this stuff together. Let's put a brand to it. Let's, let's make the decision to build this company together instead of individually. And so that's where we, we formed Climb Capital. We branded it as Climb Capital. And then uh, that was just him and I. Um, it's now, you know, February of 2022. Um, there are seven full-time employees inside of client capital. We have a uh, altitude property management, which is a property management company that, uh, so we, so we self-manage every property that we own, every asset that we have. Um, uh, we last week we were pushing 900 units. We sold a bunch last week. So dropping back down, um, you know, we expect to be well above that by the end of the year. Um, day-to-day operations, I'm handling the vast majority of acquisitions, deal structure, investors, that come that uh component of that and jeremy's handling a lot of the uh he's more of the detailed guy cleans up all of my messes and you know he's handling that the admin side of that and taxes and all that so got marketing people we've got some interns we've got uh underwriters we've got alex making us look good on the internet so nice. it's, it's pretty fun it's pretty neat awesome awesome that's a cool story i uh I, I love uh, diving into corporate structures and kind of how it evolved on the front end. Um, we're, I'm going through the, the book Traction right now. Yes. It sounds like you're the visionary and he's the integrator. That is the role that we play. And we run our um, business entirely off Traction, EOS. So level 10 awesome. meeting on Tuesdays. That's what we do. Awesome. Awesome. That's cool. So what was your, what was your favorite deal you've ever done? Favorite deal? That's a good question. Can it be non-real estate? Sure. Uh, I think my favorite deal was the boat. Um, the boat. <laughs> I mean, tell us about flip, the boat. Flipping a yacht was pretty awesome. So, how did uh, you how did you find it? How did you fix it? What were the numbers on it? Yeah. So we, uh, it was in Hurricane Michael, I believe, the one that went through Panama City, devastated sure. that area. So I was down there, fifty-five foot Hatteras. Uh, 1999, um, found it through, uh, buddies who other boating buddies. We've actually done some real estate investing together too. And like, Hey, let's look at this. Uh, so we bought it for 90,000. Um, we put, uh, over six months, we, we repainted it brand new electronics. Everything was touchscreen, every light in that thing. You could control it for your phone. It was phenomenal, you know, huge 20 inch, um, fish finding displays and all that stuff. So we had a little bit over 240 into it, including the purchase price. And we sold it for 460 the day that we put it on the market. So, wow. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And I got to take lots of cool pictures on a boat. So that was fun. That was a good wow. Day. That's a pretty good story. And at yeah. those numbers, it's hard to argue that, you know, 
against that being like a real estate deal. You know? Yeah. It's just it's floating real estate, in my opinion. <laughs> right. So it was a, it was a good deal. It was fun. Awesome. Well, I want to hop over to our radio round a little bit to ask, sure. uh, help our listeners get to know you a little bit. The first one, the first, it's just three questions. The first one is what's your favorite book? Favorite book. Um, I would have, I would honestly have to say the Bible, but second to that, I love uh, pitch anything by Oren Claff. Okay. I have not yeah. read that one, but you are, you're probably the second or third person to recommend it. So I think I'm going to have to add great, it to the Great list. book on, yeah. On pitching conversation, you know, that's, just on sales, I guess. Not really sales, but it was a good book. Awesome. Awesome. I'll check it out. And what's your favorite quote? Uh, Winston Churchill. I think it was Winston Churchill said, there's no greater thrill in a man's life than to be shot at and missed. So uh, I can attest to that. You know, um, when you get done, like, well, that was cool because I didn't get shot. Nice, nice, nice. And what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Really? I don't have very few, very few hobbies. I guess RVing really, you know, we load the nice. family and the kids up and uh, go camping slash to me, it's work. I go work yeah. at one of the parks and do stuff, but yeah, boating or, or RVing. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Robert. How can our listeners find out more about you, invest with you, learn from you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for throwing that softball up there. Um, we would love to connect everyone. Um, the website is www.climbcapital.com, which is C-L-I-M-B capital.com or info at Climb Capital. Uh, there's an intake form on the website. You can schedule a meeting with Jeremy or I or, or Alex or Jake or any of the other guys. And so always looking for deals, looking for investors. Awesome. Robert, thanks again for joining. I definitely, I'm so glad we had a chance to connect and look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.